the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Studio A, he's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Andy Froyland. It is that time of month. Hi there, and welcome once again to Lifeline. And it is the fourth Friday of the month, which means we have the privilege and honor of spending a couple of hours with uh, Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules, Pastor Emeritus there. And uh, we get to talk about things of the Lord. Usually, Lifeline, we're dealing with just about anything and everything. And especially with Craig, you never know which where he's going to land on which given day. And so uh, I always look at this Friday as kind of a spiritual sorbet after spending the the week and the month looking at uh, everything from politics to books and anything in between. It's nice to just reset our spiritual uh, uh, gyroscope, as it were, and really sit down and just spend some time with the Lord and cleanse that spiritual palate. So that is precisely what we're going to do tonight. Pastor Phil is joining us here in studio, and if you would like to join the conversation, I am sure uh, tonight's topic is probably going to uh, develop at least a question or two, maybe a comment, uh, maybe even an irate comment. We may step on toes tonight. I don't know. (laughs) 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X is the number you can ring us at, 888-367-53. Oh, um... That's all wrong. I'm I'm just going off a number. Fifty three twenty nine. I got a I got a ninety two. I've transposed on this one. I'll go with the other one. The other our, one is our correct. listenership just dropped by fifty percent on that I got, mistake. You can't get the phone number right. I can't get anything right. <laughs> <laughs> is there a ball game on? <laughs> oh, 888 uh, 888-367-5329. That's the number to ring us at, and we'd be more than happy to spend some time with you tonight. Tonight, All Things Church. What's it all about, Alfie? If you're old enough, you remember that song. Yeah. <laughs> What's it all about, Alfie? Why church? Why church? Why 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 do we get together? Why you know? And, and I'll start with this, Phil. How many times? In fact, I would imagine between you and I, if if we had a dime for every time we've heard this, we'd probably make Elon Musk look like a poverty-stricken kid. God knows my heart. I don't need the church. I worship him in my own way. Yeah. God knows my... Have you heard that once oh, or twice? A few times. <laughs> well, especially during COVID, when everybody has started their own church in their own front room. And uh, like... Uh, it's Or, or we've reduced it to a, a good speaker a boring speaker, or we've reduced it to one man on a platform, right. and that's the church. And uh, I, I was just thinking of what Jesus said in Matthew 16 when Peter got it right of who he was. Who am I? You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. And he said, 
Peter, you're right on. And, and based upon that kind of a confession, that kind of truth about me, I'm going to build a church. Now, that's interesting. It, it wasn't around when he said it. I'm going to start something because I've come in a time when Judaism is apostate. Uh, the religious leaders are holding hands with Rome, bribes, money, politics. God was far from the temple, and Ezekiel said he would be. He would depart from the place. And so now the glory of God's wrapped up in this uh, uh, peripatetic teacher going around Palestine teaching, and that glory they were blind to. But he said, I'm going to build a church, ecclesia. What? I'm going to call out a people that will get back and give God glory and exist for God. And we'll discuss tonight some of the reasons why he started the church and what he wants us to do as a church. So it's not just an hour or two on a Sunday sitting in a pew, uh, singing a couple of songs, listening to a guy talk. This this is not what we're talking about, right? This is not what we're talking about. All right, good enough. We've got, uh, I, I understand there are five E's that we're going to explore throughout the evening tonight to give you a better understanding of what the church is. And we'll also address some current issues that surround the church. Uh, some good things and some not-so-good things, some things that uh, hopefully will challenge you if you find yourself in a church that may not measure up to what God's standards are from His Word. Um, And again, everything that goes on here tonight with Pastor Phil on Lifeline, uh, we're we're stuck to the Word. That's where our answers are going to be. We're not going to pontificate. We're not going to explore our, our naval lint. Uh, you know, we're just not going to do that. We've got sufficient answers from God's Word. It'd be real nice to consult the one who's building it, what he calls it. And that, that's basically what we like to focus on. Exactly. Um, as we get started, Phil, um, we were talking just before the program started um, there was a, a point of crisis in your own ministry that kind of brought you to all this, isn't it? It it surely did. I uh, I had started Valley Bible with 19 people and 48 chairs in a uh, alcohol saturated uh, dance hall uh, in Pinole, and God blessed that work. And so uh, for years we never could find property. And I, before I knew it, I'd been uh, here 18 years. But I, I ran out of steam. I ran out of goals. I met with Howard Hendricks at a, a Mount Hermon Dallas conference. And I said, I'm out of steam. Uh, uh, I love to preach. I love to teach. But I don't have any. I, I've lost sight. I, I can't articulate uh, why I'm there. And I begin to read Numbers 13 and 14 when the um, 12 spies went out and were searching out the land. And God used that passage for me. Uh, And he seemed to say to me, I'm going to give you 40 days. They took 40 days in the land. I'm going to give you 40 days not to do another sermon, but to articulate what you're trying to do. And I must say, many a pastor 
is biding time, hoping maybe he could reach retirement or hoping he could survive another board meeting or uh, get through another church conflict. Uh, you lose your purpose because sometimes you feel like uh, us pastors lose our identity. Uh, I heard John Piper say it's like we go to a carnival and you go before the mirrors and one makes you tall and skinny, the other makes you short and fat. And pretty soon you begin to believe the mirrors. You you begin to listen to the critics, the audience, your heart, the devil. Pretty soon you forgot who you are. And uh, you're fighting for the identity. Am I God's man doing what God wants? Because you're trying to please everybody. Most of us preachers are, whether people know it or not, we love the praise of men. We become men pleasers, and that becomes our idolatry. And so we lose the prophetic touch. We're, we're really up for grabs. What's the majority want? God gave me 40 days, and I went to the uh, elders and the deacons at that time, and I said, uh, in 40 days, I'm going to tell you why I'm here or why I'm leaving. And I'm only going to stay if God gives me a reason to stay because you deserve better than what I've got to offer. And uh, after 40 days, we came up with Commission 2000. We were in the 80s. We had no property. Uh, we lost our school of theology that we'd started because we couldn't house it. And it had, had to move to another location. And out of that, God gave me five E's, uh, not rocket science, and these were the five E's. I want you to live to the glory of God, so exalt me. If it's not an exalting community, shut the door. Do like Malachi. Turn out the lights if you can't offer something I could accept. And quit offering me lame sacrifices. Uh, two, I want you to have meetings that equip or edify the saints. Uh, what are you trying to do to these people? Are you gathering just to take an offering? Or is there anything that will build them up? That they're burying their mother. They're burying their dad. They're weeping over their prodigal children. Uh, their marriages. Is there any reason they should come? Uh, and then, by the way, I told my church to make it their business to be full of the good news about what my son will do for them. Because when I read Romans 1 through 3, there's nobody in that crowd that I would give my son to die for. It's a wretched description of our fallen condition. And yet God said, I want the good news to get out to every man you could reach and tell them the gospel. Be a gospel-centered church or you don't deserve to be called a church. And then I came up with two other things that we didn't want spectators at church. Just come and watch. So we said, let's enlist them in some kind of service. Let's try to equip them so they can feel a part. And then we also used the term enfold make them assimilate them. And that term really meant small group studies uh, to feel a part. Because I always wanted a, uh, 
a racially diverse church. I wanted, I wanted every economic uh, categories because a man told me many people pick their church by first driving through the parking lot and seeing what kind of cars are there. And if there's not expensive cars and they're wealthy, they're not going to go to it. Right. In my spirit, I said, I'll take the lowliest and I'll take the worst because my gospel can change a life. Basically, what we're seeing then is uh, the development of a family uh, for the most part. I mean, we'll explore each one of these throughout the course of the next few uh, couple of couple of segments here uh, on Lifeline. But uh, that's the foundation. So that's where we're headed this, this evening then. Uh, and along the way, hopefully answer some of your questions, 888-367-5329. That's the number you can reach us at if you'd like to join the conversation here tonight on Lifeline. We have to take a quick time out. We're going to pay some bills and keep the lights on for a few more minutes. Uh, Mike at the other end will take care of all that for us here as Lifeline continues with Pastor Phil Howard. Back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we are back. It is uh, Lifeline, our Truth For Today edition. Fourth Friday of every month, we get a chance to do this and spend some time just talking about all things uh, of the Lord, um, church, whatever. And tonight, it is pretty much about the church. What do we do? Why Why do we go to church? Why Why do we take a Sunday and say, okay, yeah, well, we got to go. We got to we got to sing a bit. We got to sit and listen to this guy talk. Say hi. Have a cup of coffee, and then go home. Is it more than that? And if so, what does it look like? And why, at the end of the day, do we even do this as believers in Christ? And so that's what we're exploring. And uh, as Pastor Phil laid the foundation here in our last segment, uh, there is a reason. There are specifics that we as Christians are called to when it comes to worshiping our God. I've, I've mentioned this before, Phil, and... Um, I think it adds to the foundation we're trying to lay here. Uh, in the New Testament, in the Greek, there are two things that the Lord owns possessively. In other words, there is a jealous tense to when he says, this is mine, in the New Testament, in the Greek anyway. The Lord's table and the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. These are his. Beautiful. And, and, and they are owned and possessed by him in a very jealous sense in a possessive sense. Mm. And so, you know, um, obviously we could do the Lord's table on another night, but tonight we are looking at, at the Lord's day, which is uniquely uh, a calling for you and I to congregate together, to become the, as you called it, the ecclesia, okay. the church. And you talk about jealousy. Uh, it prompts, in my mind, the verse, don't you know that you, plural, yourselves, are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, watch this. If anyone destroys God's temple, now he's not talking about your body here. He mentions that in chapter 6, 619. Here, he's talking about the local church. He's calling it a corporate temple. When you come together as a redeemed body of people, I see temple, I see tabernacle, and you just track that all the way through the Bible. 
Man has always said, where could I find God if he wanted to display himself on the earth? The closest thing they could get was temple. The, the Tower of Babel was a ziggurat trying to build a staircase to God. And God said, don't do that. And God's greatest manifestation was his son. But his son said, I'm going to start a body. And I'm going to call it the church. It's called the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And here he's telling the church that is having party spirit, divisions. And some people act like they own the church. They could do anything they want to it. They could talk about the leadership. They could run them down. Watch what he says. If anyone destroys God's temple. Now tell me on the earth where God's temple is. Guess what? The local church at Corinth was one of those temples. Every local church that is composed of born-again believers who have met in Jesus' name, God considers it a sacred temple. And he said, if anyone dare destroy that, God's temple, God will destroy that person For God's temple is sacred, and you together, you together are that temple. We are a people called together. You figure God's church didn't meet in buildings for 300 years. They didn't have big buildings. They didn't have building programs. They had missionary programs. They sent men with the gospel. They didn't build buildings. And building programs are usually very hard on a church. They are. And, but he says here, hey, you guys are breaking up my church. Be careful. This is my property. This is where I get glory. And I'm afraid we treat it too, too easily. We, we, like you can do anything with the church. You can run down the leadership. You can support it or not support it. Hey, This is where God meets other people on the earth. When God's people meet, he even said in 1 Corinthians 14, when the unbelievers come among you, will they not say God is in their midst? Mm. Ah, I wonder if your last Sunday service, if anybody would have said God is in their midst. Mm. That's what ought to be on display. Is is the Lord's day something that man is driving or something that God is driving? Mm. <laughs> God God named it my day, the Lord's day. Uh, and really, every day is his. Uh, we talk about tithing, my lands. It all belongs to him. Uh, get over that tight fist. But when we're receiving it, we want our fists open. Because we want right. to get, uh, it all belongs to him. But can't we just comply and just say, gather. I, I, I'm not being a preaching pastor every week. I think, is this it? I show up for an hour and a half on Sunday. Okay. I hear wonderful preaching, singing, everything. But you know what? There's something about our Wednesday night prayer meeting with just a few of us that you can't describe. There's a different dynamic, but it's still the temple. 
Who who are you meeting for lunch Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Who's coming over to the house for dinner in any given night? Uh, who are you meeting at the store when you go to the store? And what is transpiring when those encounters happen? How you view the Lord's Day will directly affect how those encounters come about and what transpires. Am I am I blowing steam or is there something to that? No. Well, I think uh, God gets pretty well cheated when we just if we barely squeeze out two hours, and, and when it's my day, it's twenty four hours. <laughs> when it's God's day, it's an hour and oh, a half. Oh, now you're just stepping on toes. Yeah. <laughs> now you're just that's just oh. We just lost listeners. I know. We, we think we've really tipped God if we show up for an hour. And a, I, you know what? I go because I'm so desperate for God, and God speaks to me through his people, through his word. And uh, I just think of my son-in-law. Uh, he, he, he fell on the sidewalk and uh, fractured a few vertebrae. And he's been quite a bit of pain. They just hosted about 26, 28 people in their home. Uh, They're in charge of congregational care. They all came. My daughter calls and she's talking to her mom. Says, you know, I saw one of the most precious things last Sunday. What was that? Two senior women, probably 70s, 80s. They went up to this son-in-law of mine and said, Son, would you care if we laid hands on you and asked for God's comfort and healing? And Sean says, Oh, please do. And uh, the boy who came from a very uh, tragic home situation wept as these two women felt burdened to pray for him. By the way, Pain relief came the next day as he went to work. He said, I can't explain it. The pain's gone. But what did something greater? My heart was massaged because I met with some of God's people, even in a home. We can't make it to heaven in isolation. We need one another desperately. It is a, it is a family. It's not a building. It's an organism. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's uh, and it's not a, a duty, it's a relationship. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll hit the first one on your list, and that is the purpose and reason we gather together is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll do that on the other side of this break. We do need to take a quick one, so if you'll stay right there, uh, we will come back as Lifeline continues with Pastor Phil Howard. And now, from our Northern Command studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And Pastor Phil Howard, our guest tonight here on our Truth For Today edition of Lifeline. Truth For Today can be heard Monday through Friday here on AM 1100 KFAX. Uh, uh, 5.30 in the morning weekdays, 8.30 Sunday mornings, and apparently 4.30 in the afternoon as well. (laughs) Boy, stinking howdy. That's some real estate right there. I love it. Uh, what a lead-in for tonight's show. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
We are talking about the church here tonight. Oh, by the way, if you would like to know more about Truth For Today, obviously, uh, truthfortodayradio.org is a, a great place to start that journey of learning more about this radio ministry and Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, as a matter of fact. And Pastor Phil Howard, who's with us tonight, we're talking about the church. Why? Why do we... Why? Why do we go to church? What's it all about? What's the reason? Do we do we go there because, well, that's just, you know, it's what mom and dad did, and that's what I've got to do. And, you know, I, I've become a Christian, and I see other Christians doing this, so I guess I better, you know, just go along with the flow. It will help if you know God. It, <laughs> yes, it does a little bit, and I think we should probably start there, Phil. Well, I think so. You know, if you're a kid... Uh, uh, I had to. Go, I never prayed about going to church as long as my dad was bigger, stronger, and was feeding me. There was no. It was like brushing my teeth. Uh, some folks said, "Well, I had to go to church." I said, "Well, did you ever have to brush your teeth? I said, do you still do it?" Well, my dad made me. I said, "Do you still brush your teeth?" So I had to go to church until I was fourteen. And then when I escaped hell by putting my trust in Jesus Christ, believe me, what used to be drudgery, because I was going to church, I was hearing a death sentence, because I grew up with a generation that believed in hell and uh, preached what the Bible said about it. And so it's terrifying to not know God and be in church week after week. But once you put your faith in Christ, I think of Psalms 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will be on my lips. Now, today we could say some, my gripes will always be heard. No, Mm-mm. no. His praise, his, his praise. And by the way, uh, I heard a prof say that praise when you say praise the Lord, you haven't praised him. That's a command in the Hebrew. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, say something that praises him. And they, when they came together, praise was a corporate experience. When you're by yourself, you're not praising him. It's gratitude, thanksgiving, uh, these things. But praise was a corporate experience experience. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Other Psalms say, ascribe glory to the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. And so it's a corporate experience. But here's the problem. Uh, I went to Bible college for four years. Then I started going to seminary. And I'm embarrassed to say this to you. The most humiliating course I took was called Theology Proper. And guess what about that class? I was in that class for two weeks, and the assignment was right on a three-by-five card, Who is God? And another three-by-five card, What is God? I wrestled with that assignment, and I found out I absolutely could not describe the God I served. I didn't know how to articulate his attributes. I didn't know how to articulate his sovereignty, his immutable will, 
his divine plan. I didn't know that he was spirit being alone. I didn't know why he was hallowed, that he was in a category all of his own. And then we come to church and we sing little ditties that are embarrassing. We say such trite things. Could somebody say something profound about such a creature as God? How how could you even knowing that? Stick it on a three by five card. <laughs> it, it, that was That's, the challenge. Holy and smokes, who, man! Who is God? Here was the simplest definition: He is the Creator and Sustainer of all things. No other being fits that definition. No. Said, "Is that all you want, Doctor Schaefer? That's all I want." Yeah. Uh, now let's describe what He has done, what He's able to do. You mean He is all knowing? Just think if we had a Sunday service that all we did each week we're going to pay tribute to one of the attributes. I'll say this. About, oh, maybe six months ago, uh, I was in another state. And uh, when, I, when I woke up that morning, it was Sunday morning, I said, God, I am so hungry to hear about you today. I, I, I don't want to hear about getting a better marriage. And I, I could use that. I don't want to hear something about how to have more money. I could use that. But I would love to hear somebody talk about you today. And I went to church, and sure enough, they started a series, The Knowledge of God, and they used A.W. Tozer. The most revealing thing about you is what you think of when you think of God. It's the most revealing thing about you, Tozer said. When I ask you, what is God like? What comes to your mind? And so this exaltation, I started preaching on theology proper, the Trinity. And this is theology. I must say, dear pastors, dear listeners, we don't need to dumb down our message. If we have a theology that's true, would you please preach it? And if security of the believer is true, would you please preach it? If election is true, would you preach it? Let's quit apologizing for God. God has not called you or me to edit him, proclaim him, whether people like it or not, whether it's popular or not. I'll stand before Christ someday and said, what did you tell my people? Did you tell them what the shepherd had to say? And that is, let's exalt him. And when that, you know what? When you bring up Jesus and the praise of God, I heard Tim Keller say it. He said, the entire environment changes. It, 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 there is a sacredness in the temple that I begin to see the Lord high and lifted up. There are two prayers recorded in Scripture, among many, that are my favorite, apart from John 17, which is the, the penultimate. But there are two prayers, one in Jeremiah and one in Acts, and I love the way both start that prayer. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Ah, sovereign Lord, you who have created the heavens and the earth. If Oh, if, if we only took our cue from Jeremiah and, and the Is apostles. Is anything too hard for you? You know, and, and, and you mentioned this. You, you, you said we, we have a tendency to dumb things down. 
is that not a, a distrust of this sovereign God it and is. his spirit? It is. If you got it, they can get it. It's it's it, it you're right. It it's not a, it's up to the spirit of God, isn't it? He's the teacher. And if we are simply proclaiming what he's called us to in his word and then trusting the Holy Spirit to act upon that. And think of this Andy, if you go to church Sunday and I think of J.B. Phillips when he wrote the little book Your God is Too Small that uh, Piper uses the illustration that a microscope enables you to see things blind to the eye. You, you couldn't see it without help. But when you have an object as big as the universe, you need a telescope. And what God wants us to do is start looking through a telescope and bringing the bigness of God in this culture that's drowning in racism, uh, sexually gone crazy, narcissism, materialism, the lost generation, uh, fathers not in the home, marriage is worthless to so many. Why marry when you're going to divorce anyway? Uh, All that pain and just say, could you give me a big God? Mm. Because politics isn't solving our problem. (laughs) The White House doesn't have any seeming solutions to the what the social ills of the culture. No president could do it. So then all of a sudden, if you meet together, if you get out of the bed, if you have a cup of coffee, we even give you a donut to keep you awake. Yeah. And so say, when you walk out, I wish, I wish the awe could come back to us. Mm. I say that for me, that when I leave and I can't talk because <clears throat> I've been in the presence of something greater than the mm. congregation. Yeah. This is a, an, an if-then proposition, really, is what we're talking about. If you search for me and search for me with your whole heart, then all of these things will be added you unto will find you. Me. This is the foundation we're laying here tonight on Lifeline. We're, we're hoping you get this foundation Exalting the Lord has got to be preeminent in all of this. We gather together for one reason and one reason only, and that is to worship the God who has redeemed us and saved us unto all eternity for his glory. Then we add all these other things. They naturally flow out of this one thing that we're dealing with here. And uh, This is the vertical dimension. It is. It is. And it, it drives the horizontal which is what we'll find out as we continue our conversation. Unfortunately, we've got to take it. Well, not unfortunately. It keeps the power going, which means we can continue talking to you here tonight on Lifeline. We are talking with Pastor Phil Howard tonight about the church. Why? Why are we going to church? What's it all about? We'll take a quick time out, pay some bills, and come back as Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard continues. And now, from our Northern Command studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. So northern, we can see the lights. Oh, we're not that far north. (laughs) That was out of left field, wasn't it? 
This is Lifeline. Uh, Pastor Phil Howard is our host tonight. Uh, your humble moderator, Andy Froyland, joining you as well. Good to have you with us tonight. We're talking about all things church. The foundation for what we do can be found in the simple command to exalt the Lord. And this is, and, and here's something else before we move on, Phil. I wanted to touch on this a little bit. We get the idea, especially here in the Western church and our culture, that it's a solo run. We got a whole mess of Lone Rangers in a building, and to the point, to illustrate, okay, how many times have we, how many times have we preached, let alone heard, a sermon series on, uh, oh, let's take uh, the, the, the spiritual warfare. All right, we the, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. We've got all these things in in Ephesians, right? How many times, and and I'll, uh, even myself, how many times have I been guilty of preaching this as now here is how you appropriate the shield of faith. Here's what it is. Here's how you use it. All the while, we're failing to realize that what Paul's language is plural. This is not an individual bit of armor you're to put on. This is armor for the corporate body, corporate body. for the church at large. Yes. This isn't individualism, no. and, and we become so good at that. I think so. It, it's true, and it, that's why we put so much focus on personalities and why so many, God forbid, have evaporated before our eyes through fallenness through some condition god said i won't share my glory with anyone and and the biggest battle with us uh men who are in leadership and if god gives favor does pride choke out the glory of god the self-promotion self-centeredness uh it it's a monster in every heart what will you really you know when i was a 15 year old kid i started praying lord if you take this uh boy preacher that isn't any good at it i'm just willing to do it but i don't know how uh coming from a lisping background and speech therapy i i, I promise god all the time i'll give you the glory i'll give you the honor i'll give you the credit you know, it's kind of like Uzziah. Uh, he he really depended on God until it became successful. And then it says in that he starts going beyond the boundaries. And he says, I could act like a priest, though I'm the king. And he turns to a leper. And uh, I I saw that happening with me and other preachers. All of a sudden, God starts using you. God starts giving you favor. You start having a little bit you know, broader uh, outreach. And, and like it's like God is saying in heaven, I have thousands of men at this point that I lost. Because at this point, they started taking the credit. And and I think corporate churches can do it. Uh, it it's our, our music. That's why we're growing. Uh, it's our building. Oh, we got nice facility. Youth program. Our youth program yeah. said, what about our God? Our, our God is the draw. Our God is saving. Our God breaks the fetters. I want to weep when I talk about it because uh, he, his glory is always being eclipsed by our ego. Yeah. His glory. And we must, we must deliver us from it. 
When was the last time you heard of a church nobody wanted to join because they were so holy? Oh, my. my. It, it seems to me Acts is the last time I heard something like that. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. We we get too individualized, and as a result, we create that individualism that celebritizes so much of what we do. And God's lost in it all. Mm-hmm. And hence the need to find that foundation of exalting him, getting back mm-hmm. to what he has called us. I mean, we are his creation. His creation. And he said, if you hang out with me, two things will happen. You become gentle and humble. Mm-hmm. And boy, tell me the last time you were impressed by someone's humility. To be honest, uh, Phil, I, I look, and I, the, the question is, is begged, at least in my own mind, especially to our listeners. Um, Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride. If you were totally honest with your assessment, how spotless is the church you belong to? How spotless is the bride today? Or how sullied with this world's ills and worries and, and problems and issues? We get so easily sidetracked. So, Well, I used to hear the saying, if every member of this church was just like me, what kind of church would it be? Oh, <laughs> okay, we can, we can move on now. Okay, we better... <laughs> We're starting to step on our own toes. How do we do that? <laughs> Maybe we can repent and continue the broadcast. Well, I tell you what, exalting the Lord is where it all must start. And it and, and it's exalting the Lord as a body of believers. There is a a koinonia fellowship. There is a, a unique oneness that yes. you and I if we claim Christ as our elder brother and savior, we have fellowship unlike anybody else knows on this planet. No, uh, it is beyond familial. It is beyond brotherly. It is beyond friendly. It is unique and intimate. I think that's what leads you into edifying fellow believers and in that edifying equipping because this love goes from the father to the family. And we have some people, oh, we got to get to evangelism next. No, because Jesus said, as they see the family loving like I loved you men in this upper room, then they say there's something to this faith we don't find in the cult, in other world religions. This is dynamic in its relational impact. And this is the thing, the way you love fellow believers and people observing that and that going on in your community, in your whatever. No wonder it was dynamic when it just met in homes. Uh, you know, I have to say, we started in a, uh, a hall that was a dance hall and a, uh, a Grange Hall, as it were. Right. They'd have dinners and dances there. And it was hard on me in a way. Uh, and then we wound up in a school, then a theater. It, it got worse, believe me. But it was something when we first got on this property, uh, and as far as I'm concerned, get respectability. But there was something about the draw of an old dance hall that kids would come in there uh, nearly barefooted, uh, maybe homeless, for sure, drugs, uh, plenty of that there, and, and they would because it wasn't churchy. 
He had none of that. And, and people, I was amazed any conservative Christians would come because it, you were stepping down to come to our church. It, it was not a step up. And uh, it, it, it was uh, only God could make it grow. It, it was so weak and so poor. That's why no one's interviewed me on how to grow a church. Which, well, it, not that they haven't tried. Yeah. <laughs> they have tried. I know that for a fact. But, uh, again, you look at those beginnings, though, Phil, and it really does lay the foundation. God is kind enough to use those beginnings to lay the foundation for what you what Valley Bible Church has become, the churches that have come out of Valley Bible, the ministry that has taken place here in the, in the northern Bay Area, at least on the eastern side, anyway. And it's it's just been amazing to t- take a look at the past few decades and see how Valley Bible has true. been used by God to further his gospel. Right and and that is, that's a part of, you guys, like you said, as you came off of that 40 days, you came back and you were committed to these five E's. And, and that second one is equip. I mean, you're right. We want to think, oh, evangelism. Yeah. Well, no, you've got to equip folks to go out and evangelize. Because it's not the pastor's job to evangelize. It is the church's job. Yes. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's in the marketplace, on the job. And I think the pressure I felt many in the early days, and you of different backgrounds will relate to this. People used to say to me many times, uh, why aren't you making altar calls? Because I came out of that tradition and why didn't you sing just as I am? Right. And why was it there? You're not evangelistic because you in the church didn't sing to the you know unsaved man. And I'm not opposed to that. But I said, uh, you know what? I'm trying to help a bunch of baby Christians. They can't even find their way in the Bible. They don't know morals the the beginning their first generation yeah. it's easy to have third generation people say oh we've already made all these changes we look good yeah work on some unsaved guy everybody before me practically said hey i'm just a beginner uh, where do you find genesis first generation people are where first, that's that's first where and that's what them. that's what made it different that's why there's no room for politics right you 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 took a course in humility just to be associated right. with us right. right we we need to take a quick time out what a bookmark there we're on a roll here we're taking a look at the five e's of the church what it is that uh, makes up the church and why we we do what we do as believers in christ in the church uh, we're focusing on equipping the saints when we come back, as Lifeline continues with Pastor Phil Howard. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn. 
With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.